But if you never process it, it is a big deal because what it'll do is it'll skew how you see life at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had sexual abuse happen in my life a couple times. One was a relative and one was a stranger. I just thought, well, that was just a weird thing that happened. I never really thought about what that would do to you as a person, you know, until later in my life, as I started really thinking through all of this and, okay, you know, that did mess me up. And it wasn't so much you look in the past to blame everything. Yeah. It's just the reality. That's the way you are. Things in life happen and how we deal with them makes us who we are. And so I think for a lot of guys, it's just a matter of even doing that, uh, looking back and going, okay, well, when this happened in my life, this is why I became this way. You know, like I used to play football and what kept me from being a better football player was that I had this fear of letting people down. And I didn't realize till within the last few years how much that affected me and affected everything in my life. Because a lot of times it kept me passive instead of aggressive. Welcome to Dads on Deadless podcast with me, your host, Rish. This podcast is to raise awareness around the social stigma of the word man up. Research has shown men are less likely to seek help for trauma, abuse, neglect, addictions, and mental illness because they will be perceived as weak. Research had directly or indirectly linked these problems to the social and cultural perceptions of the word man up. It's time to start a conversation and redefine this word man up. Each week, you will be hearing from men and women all around the world who survived emotional abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, and addictions, and how they came out on the other side with triumph to begin a new chapter. You will also hear from experts and coaches all around the globe on matters like brain health, psychology of men and women, holistic healing, fitness, and last but not least, what it takes to be a man, overcoming the social stigma and expectations, and tap into your individual unique authenticity and vulnerability. Thank you for joining me in this mission to serve men around the world and letting them know they are not alone in this. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Dads and Deadlifts podcast with me, your host, Rish. Today's podcast is brought to you by a book. One of my friends, J.W. Mikula, wrote, Why Daddies Need Babies. It's on Amazon, and paperback is $14.95. I definitely bought it. I definitely want you to go and check it out. It's a much-needed story behind why every daddy needs a baby. After all, every baby has a daddy, but every daddy needs a baby. So, Go check it out and congratulations to my friend for his book launch. Without further ado, let's welcome today's guest, David Maxwell. Hey, Rich. Glad to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Having a good day. Yeah. I'll have to be honest. I'm like, okay, hold on, guys. I literally, guys, we started conversation before even I started recording and already our conversation (laughs) are off the chart. I'm like, hold on, let's start this because I don't want to lose the momentum. (laughs) So it's amazing. I'm so excited for this episode, as I was telling you. I know you had been uh, coaching men and... uh, so yeah. tell me, what's your story? What, who's David Maxwell? My story kind of started when my first son was born. I mean, it's kind of great. You talked about a book, Dads Need Babies. After my first son was born, I figured out, I don't know what I'm doing as a man. And um, 
My parents divorced when I was young, and uh, my dad's a good guy, but he lived two states away. He did his best, but there's just not a whole lot you can do, only seeing someone a couple times a year. So I started a journey then. I started getting help with some issues that I had, started learning how to feel, how to process, how to do things. So I began that journey for me, uh, which was almost 25 years ago, because my son is about to turn 25 in November. And and so for me, that was the beginning of my journey. And then um, about a year and a half ago, after a three-year battle with cancer, I lost my wife to brain cancer. And after that, it just became this, okay, what am I going to do with my life? And I really started getting a passion to help men because other men had helped me. I'd read books. I'd done everything I could to grow. And I thought, what if I could make that journey simpler for other men? What if I could help men not wander around, but really figure out why am I here? What's my purpose? And, and I think a lot of men need that. And so I started, my website's davidthemaxwell.com. I, I do a blog. Um, I've got courses for men. I just released a new course for dads. I'm, I'm just trying to help guys figure out, because too many guys I think are just wandering around and they're like, I think I'm doing it right. Been there. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's I like I'm me. Still, I'm thinking, I'm yeah. still, it's, it's like, as I was telling you before recording, like it's a journey. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's a journey. I, I mean, I remember driving home from the hospital with my son, just kind of looking in the back seat, like it's alive. You know, <laughs> what do I <laughs> yeah, do now? Yeah. And so it just to try and help guys figure a lot of that stuff out, get some confidence in being a husband, a dad, and what that means, no matter their station in life, mm-hmm. um, whether they're a step parent, divorced parent, they can still be a good dad. They can still be a good man. And I think our society just kind of gives guys, you know, all these images and they don't know what to do. It's yeah. either, okay, be Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or be, you know, Ryan Gosling and sing and dance <laughs> and play the piano. And most guys are like, okay, I'm neither one of those. <laughs> right. And, and so I think that's why a lot of guys just check out. They check out virtually or they just check out and they, I'm just going to grind and make money. I think a lot of times they're just trying to figure who they are. Yeah. Didn't no, mean I- to go so long, but it's, it's a passion. No, it's amazing. Amazing because there's so much truth to it, what you're saying, because uh, been there. I mean, like, I think like just like anyone else been there, confused. I mean, I remember first time I, I had to drive home after my son was born. I was like dead scared. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm driving. Like, I don't care much about driving in the snow. I mean, we live in Michigan. Yeah. So I was like, okay, but oh my God, like I was literally, I'm like, guys, <laughs> stop, slow down. And people were slow, but I was like, slow down. There's, there's someone alive. And it's yeah. funny, it triggers something in your brain. It does. And there are for a good five, six months, I'll be honest, like I had no idea. I was like, um, so what am I supposed to do? Just get up and mm-hmm. help him. And because I was not feeling that feedback from him. All he needed is yep. his mom, right? Yeah. So I think like guys, and the same thing happened to me. I was like, what is my role? Yeah. What is my role in all this? Like, I love this, but I'm not getting any feedback. So there was a moment, I'll be very honest, like seasonal depression or however you want to call it. I, I don't know yeah. the term. I was like depressed. I was like, wow, is that the role of dad is like, that's it. You know? Yeah. And it's a little jealousy. I, w- I don't even want to call it jealousy. It's like really weird. Like I'm like, Hey, but like, you know, I'm here too, you know? Well, you want to kind of hurry everything up and get to where he can play, <laughs> yes. you know? And that's, I have a thing where I talk about the seasons of a kid's life and that zero to six season is a tough season. But I think it's also where the dad, I think you actually do the most bonding early mm-hmm. because dads are usually the play. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moms are the, you know, get them fed, get them clothed, make sure this. I mean, and I know you say you're stereotyping. Okay, I'm, I'm generality, but yeah. it's, it's majority that way. And I yeah. think a dad, they're the ones who, hey, let's play Legos. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of dads, 
they, well, I'm going to start playing with them when they get older. But man, that zero to six, that's your time. Yeah. You can own them to where they think you're the greatest. Yeah. And I think that's a huge opportunity for dads. But yeah, those first, you know, uh, especially if your wife's feeding them, you just, you feel like all you do is change diapers. <laughs> right. That's basically, that's all I felt. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, uh, coming back to your story, David. So I just want to touch base a little bit because we have so much to talk about. And as I said, like, I think I'm going to definitely, we'll have to have a different episode with you. And uh, you, with your passion, with your expertise, I want to touch base on certain topic that I saw on your website too. But today I want to have a very general conversation with you and then we can target other episodes on uh, yeah, sounds good. topics. Talk a little bit about like, you have a 28 year marriage. Yeah. How did you as a man feel as a dad? Of course, your, your kids were already kind of grown up already mm-hmm. there. How did you handle it? I mean, I'm just kind of trying to understand because listeners who are listening, they are going through grief. And I was telling you like, you know, nothing beyond death and especially with people that you love and such a long-term relationship and bonding. Yeah. I think there are people like I went through grief, like, yeah, I'm divorced, but I'm still grieving it. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I, I grieve it in a very healthy way now. I used to grieve it in a very bad way. Yeah, I think it kind of for mm-hmm. us, and this is where my story is a little different in that it wasn't like a surprise as far as we got a diagnosis and it was a two and a half year process before she finally passed. So it's not so much you're getting used to it, but you, you kind of know, okay, this could happen. But the one good thing about what was going on is you know, as men, we like to be busy. Well, when you're getting treated for cancer, you're busy. I mean, it's doctor visits, it's this, it's that, it's taking care of my wife. And, and it really, for us, it kind of became a, let's just enjoy the day. Mm-hmm. Um, let's enjoy the day. Our faith was very strong through it. My wife's faith was very strong. And, and that really helped. You know, we didn't freak out. We mm-hmm. didn't go crazy. We had a great doctor and she was incredible to us. And, and she always spoke health and we knew we could always trust her. So when she finally did have that conversation with me, I can still remember it. I know where I was in the hospital. I remember the walk to my wife's room and you almost kind of knew something was going on. Mm. You just didn't know what till the doctor said, this is what's happening. And so for us, we just enjoyed the day because we didn't know when it could be the last. And so we just made it through that day. And then when she finally did pass, I got help. She stayed in a hospice for the last few days of her life and they have a support group. And so I went to the support group. It was a couple months after because she passed away right before you got into the whole Christmas season. Okay. And that was just kind of a blur for us. Right. And our whole thing, when she got diagnosed, it was right before my daughter's senior year of high school. And our, our thing was we didn't want this to become our daughter's senior year. So we really focused on giving her a good senior year. Mm -hmm. Even though like my wife spent over 10 weeks in the hospital and rehab after uh, a lapse, but my daughter was still able to do school and do all that. And so we kind of, we did Christmas afterwards because that's what my wife would have wanted. And then I went to the support group and it was weird. The first time I went, I mean, it's everything you're not supposed to do in a small group. You walk into a room, it's dead quiet. There's no music. People are sitting around a table and no one's talking and everything within me screamed get out. You don't want to be here because it was so uncomfortable. It was mostly women. It was the middle of the day. So it was mostly older women, which made me feel young, which is good because I'm already over 50. But I just thought in my mind, I thought this is going to be nothing for me. But I stayed because I thought, you know, where else am I going to go? I didn't know any other place. And that group kind of became 
just such a support. And it's not that I got this big revelation every week. A lot of times you're just sitting there hearing someone else's story and you think, oh, I'm not a freak. Mm -hmm. Okay. I feel that way sometimes. So that's normal. And that's what it does. It helps you kind of process. I have all these weird feelings. And so you kind of figure out what to do with them Mm -hmm. and what it's like. That really began a process for me of helping me go through the grieving process. And it's not so much you ever get over it. The, the lady who runs it says something really good. She said, you just learn to assimilate it into your life. Yeah. And, and having that group was huge for me. And there, there were some guys there, and there, there's actually more guys there now. And they actually talk. <laughs> so it's been a positive result in that respect. I understand because um, I think like that's such an important part. Like I am learning through this podcast every time I interview someone, and they're just their stories and uh, how they have gotten over their traumas and mm-hmm. their hardships. And just listening to someone else's stories gives you that strength. Just like, okay. If they can do it, I can do it. And there's someone else also going through it. I'm not alone in it. It's a really weird way to think about it, but it's there. It's a huge support. Yeah, because sometimes you have strange things happen, strange feelings, Mm -hmm. uh, strange thoughts. And it's nice to hear someone else say, oh yeah, I've had those. And you're like, good, could you do? You think Mm -hmm. something's wrong with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Like I I told a friend of mine one time, I was... It was, it was probably, I don't know, eight, nine months after my wife passed. I was at the dentist office having my teeth cleaned. And there was something about the, the dental tech. She was a female just touching. I was like, gosh, I, I like that. You know? And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. at first you think, oh, that is so pervy. But it's just the reality. Right. And then yeah. I go to group and you hear people talk about different things and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's not weird. I, yeah, right. I'm just normal. No, it's funny you said that because uh, I had been there. I had listened to people. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. Um, The other day I was interviewing someone and he said the same thing. I mean, he was like, yeah, I was in a, you know, 12 step meeting and uh, I just walked in and I'm like, oh my God, there are other people think that too. Wow. Uh, Okay. You know, so let's talk about your next journey. Like what inspired you to start getting into this journey of coaching and what you're doing right now? Well, I started kind of blogging off and on probably about five years ago, and it was really kind of discovering my voice. You know, I've always wanted to write. I enjoy the creative process. Mm. And um, so I did that just to the side, just trying to kind of figure out what do I want to do? And then spring of last year, I got a guy, a coach who really, we started working together, not so much to do this. I didn't know what it was. I just knew, okay, I need to start moving in a direction. And through that, working with him, I really figured out this passion for men that I had mm. and, and started really focusing on that. And a few months after that, the job I was in actually got moved to a part-time job and it wasn't going to be me doing it. So I was like, you know what? Now's as good a time as any. Yeah. And uh, so I decided, let's start our own business. Let's start doing this, just coaching men, helping men. And so really... Beginning of 2020 is when I started it. And um, of course, then COVID hit. Thank you very much. But, uh, you know. <laughs> but it, I, think, I think like this is the time I feel like everyone needs a coach, right? Like, because that's exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a matter of kind of putting it out there. And, and it helped me. Like I was able, since I was sitting at home, not coaching or not speak, I thought I'd be doing a lot of speaking. Well, there's no mm-hmm. speaking events right now. 
I actually wrote a fathering curriculum, a video curriculum for dads, mm. um, Secrets to Success, and that I just put out that really just is from my heart to help a dad kind of figure out what do I do as a dad. Mm. And that wouldn't have happened if I had been traveling and speaking and doing stuff. So yeah, there's positives in it. But the more I get into it, the more I see how much people help me in my journey. Right. And, and how much I had to figure out on my own that I didn't know. And I'd really like to help guys kind of get the quick reversion so they can start doing, you know, I learned a lot of things the hard way. Yeah. And uh, I love learning through other people's mistakes, not my own. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so any free wisdom you can get, you take. No, I think, oh my God, like this is so, so real because like, that's honestly, like um, I tell people like uh, this podcast is about my healing journey more than I'm trying to help other people. I think like I need my audience more. I need these stories more than like, just like my audience needs, because mm -hmm. uh, as I said, like, it's always a journey. It's always a healing. I mean, you, you never stop. And the, just listening to every one of you guys, everyone I brought so far, the journey itself had been amazing in a way that, yes, I mean, I'm learning, I'm learning each interview and getting more into it and knowing uh, life. So yeah, and for men, especially men, I think the hardest journey for us is that inward journey. Yeah. Uh, to me, I, I tell my guys and my clients, I say that the inward quest is usually the hardest part of the journey because mm -hmm. it's just not natural for us to go on the inside to learn how to do that. And I think that's why a lot of men love the distraction. They love to do things for other people a lot of times because then they don't have to think about themselves. Yeah. But that's what makes the journey, I think, a little tougher. I think, yes, absolutely. And uh, another thing that I could think of, and I want to ask you this, is um, what I felt is, you know, men not talking. Uh, like if when I reached out to my friends when I was going through tough times and uh, a lot of them would be like, yeah, I mean, they're good friends. I mean, they have yeah. good intention, but yeah. it was more uh, oh, come on, man, man up. It's okay. Let's go grab a beer, right? I was like, geez, yeah. guys. I mean, I wish I could talk to someone, right? And uh, talk about that a little bit because I'm pretty sure like you deal with that and you work on that a lot with men. Yeah, for me, well, my journey started when I, when I first started getting help. The main area that was causing issues in my life and my marriage at that time was pornography. And so I went and got help and I started going to counseling and I started learning even how to have a feeling. I think a lot of guys, the reason they don't feel is because they don't know how. They've never processed. They mm -hmm. don't know what to do. And a while back, I wrote a blog about we have brain boxes. It's just the way a man's brain is wired. We box things up and we shove it to the back of our brain, mm. especially stuff we don't want to deal with. And that's good at times. Like if you're in the middle of war and you're fighting and your friend gets killed next to you, you don't have time to think about that or you're going to be next. Mm -hmm. So you have to box it up, put it to the back and keep fighting. And sometimes life, when emergencies hit, you know, a tornado comes through or you lose power or whatever, emergency, your child is hurt. You can shut everything out and focus on what needs to be done. That's the way we're wired. But if we never go back and deal with that, if we never go back and take care of that, then our brain gets cluttered with these boxes and then we don't know how to feel. We mm -hmm. don't know what to think and we don't really know how to express it to anyone. Yeah. When you were dealing with that, how do you help clients uncover that? For me, it's helping them learn how to do things like journal, just finding a way to kind of put your feelings into place. And I encourage people to analog journal, get an actual paper journal and write. Mm -hmm. I think that's so much easier than digital just because it forces you to slow down and to really think about it. 
What, yeah. what do I feel? I also have some questions that help guys learn how to do stuff like that because most guys don't know how to start. And so there's questions they can do. And I've journaled for years, sometimes more regular than others, but that's been one of the best things I've done to just learn how to process feelings, to think through what am I feeling? Because a lot of times you don't know. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, it's so funny you said that because initially, like I started on and off journaling like a long time ago, but I never really kind of, and I was using this, it's easier digital, right? Like a a day book and all these apps out there. And then I remember that's one. Now I do analog. Like now literally I sit down and I actually have my gratitude journal. I actually do the first thing in the morning, uh, five minutes max all it takes and it automatic it comes naturally now it was Mm -hmm. a a lot of hard work when i started and as you said like i'm like what am i i just woke up i don't know what to write like okay exactly what am i writing um yeah okay and then you start thinking i'm like oh come on that it's too much then i go brush your teeth yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) and that's what i think a lot of guys they i don't have time for this or the biggest thing we do is we like stuff happens in our life yeah and we think well it wasn't that big a deal But if you never process it, it is a big deal because what it'll do is it'll skew how you see life at all. Mm -hmm. You know, like I had sexual abuse happen in my life a couple of times. One was a relative and one was a stranger. I just thought, well, that was just a weird thing that happened. I never really thought about what that would do to you as a person, you know, until later in my life, as I started really thinking through all of this and okay, you know, that did mess me up. And it wasn't so much you look in the past to blame everything. Yeah. It's just the reality. That's the way you are. Things in life happen and how we deal with them makes us who we are. And so I think for a lot of guys, it's just a matter of even doing that, uh, looking back and going, okay, well, when this happened in my life, this is why I became this way. You know, like I used to play football and what kept me from being a better football player was that I had this fear of letting people down. And I didn't realize till within the last few years how much that affected me and affected everything in my life. Because a lot of times it kept me passive instead of aggressive. It did it in football, but I never thought it really played into life. But it's one of those things over the years, you just learn and you start thinking about, oh man, that is why I do that. And I think a lot of guys, they never get to that point. They just, well, it's just the way I am. Well, it is, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Right. Oh, that's, that's such a powerful statement. Uh, you know, I, 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 um, what was that? I forgot. Like it's one of uh, Tony Robbins uh, seminar I attended and, um, he does this whole, uh, like four days seminar and the third day is a transformation. And that's the Mm -hmm. first thing that he says is, uh, just because you are right now, who you are doesn't define your future. So he takes us through this whole process where you basically imagine if you just stay like this, and I forgot the name of the process, imagine yourself five years down the line and see where you're going to end up and then come back and then go back again and change yourself. And now you see another five years. So now see which one you want to do. But no, I agree. I agree with you. It's like, you know, just because you are who you are right now, I mean, that doesn't really define you uh, for next year or two or five years down the line. I think like talking about your football thing, it's as if like even it's a fear of success. Like, oh my God, what am I going to do if if I get better at this? Well, to me, it was always a, I didn't want to mess up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think a lot of guys are hindered by this perfectionism. You know, we want to do things perfect. And so I think that hits a lot of areas of our life. We, well, I don't want to try that because I can't be perfect at it. I wrote recently about how the saying, if you can't do it right, don't do it at all. I understand the sentiment behind the saying, but I think that's paralyzed us as men a lot of times. We, well, I can't do it perfect. So we don't do it. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, you can get better. 
I got around people who said things about, you know, hey, it's all about progress, not perfection. You know, Seth Godin talks about that. Just put it out there. You know, if it's not perfect, at least it's there. It can't help anybody sitting in a shelf. And so it's one of those things trying to learn that just about life. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things wrong, but it's because you're trying. You know, I'd rather be trying and make mistakes than quote unquote, not make a mistake and do nothing. And I think that's where a lot of guys are. Absolutely. I, I agree because as I was telling you before this, uh, before recording is like, I was editing it and I'm learning, I'm in the learning process of this whole software thing for the podcast. Yeah. I'm like, ah, and then ultimately I'm like, okay, that's it. The content matters. I'm just going to let it go. I mean, it doesn't need to be perfect. People need to hear the stories and that's, that's what that matters. Yeah. So yeah. And most people won't notice. We notice the imperfections, <laughs> yeah. but other people won't. You yeah. know, most people aren't going to sit there and go, oh, I think his gain was a little too high on that. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. no one cares. Yeah. So it's, it's not that big a deal. But I think for a lot of guys, they just, they get paralyzed and then they just make an excuse because they don't want to tell someone they're paralyzed with fear. Mm -hmm. So they just, no, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. You know, and they, I think they lose a lot. Just like I tell guys, the reason you have to go inside and do that journey, especially if you have little kids, is one day your kids are going to get older. And you're going to want to connect with them emotionally. But if you don't do the growing you need to do, you won't oh. be able to. And that's where I, I get really upset with, I've worked with teenagers for 30 years and I get upset when people say, well, those teen years, you know, and, they, and they, they're afraid of their children turning to teenagers. We loved our kids as teenagers. They were great. And it's because we had a relationship with them, but it's also because my wife and I grew to where when they became teenagers, we were farther ahead emotionally so we could connect with them in a better way. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of dads are stunted emotionally because they start, you know, like you said, when mm -hmm. you have a child, a baby, there's not a whole lot for you to do yeah, in the beginning. Right. So a lot of guys, well, I'm going to focus on this area of their life and they get busy. And the next thing they know, it's five years, 10 years down the line. Yeah. And they're still in that mode from back then. And they wonder, hey, what's wrong with my teenager? Well, you can't connect to them emotionally because you're still emotionally back when they were a child. You didn't grow. And if a man grows emotionally and learns, then connecting with his children will be a whole lot easier. Yeah. He'll be able to empathize with them, whereas maybe he couldn't do that before. Yeah, I absolutely agree. As I was um, kind of giving a hint of now of my past. Now, of course, I'm a single dad and he's two and a half and I'm loving the stage, right? Like, because this is where yeah. now we are having fun. Like, I'm a, a fun play guy for him. Uh, yeah. Mama is like a little bit of a strict and Dada's yeah. at home is like, of course, we, we, we got divorced and we are in our own place. But um, one thing I realized is, um, and I was literally uh, through my journey, I realized that uh, it was such a project for me. It was more of a project because I didn't have freedom. And that's a completely mm -hmm. different dynamics that we had yeah. in, a, in that uh, relationship that I didn't get any freedom. So it was more like, okay, I'm just going to keep earning money and that's it. I mean, yeah. that's all I want to do. At, uh, now that we have gone our separate ways and now I am living my life and enjoying yeah. it. Uh, and now that he's here, I could immediately see it. I am having fun. Yeah. Not a exactly. project anymore in my head. Before I was like, oh, at 1 p.m. he needs to take a nap after lunch. At 3 p.m. he needs a snack. At 6 p.m. it was yeah. more like, I got to go, 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 go. Now it's like, I don't care. Hey, I mean, if he doesn't take a nap today, okay, don't care. Yeah. And I could see his reaction. I could mm -hmm. see his bonding with me is completely different than it was like a year ago. Yeah, and so many dads, their kids are projects. And then as they get older, they become the way a parent receives their validation. My validation is based on how my kid performs. 
yeah. how my kid does in school, what you think of my kid. And that really, that's unfair to the kid, you know, because they're just your kid. You should love them just because they're your kid, not because they were an all-star. Yes. Or not. That really has nothing to do. But a lot of parents are putting pressure on their kids to do that. And it's really more about their own validation. Yeah. I want to show everybody I'm a good parent. Yes. Everyone's focusing on their own kids. So they're really not even noticing your kid. That's the way we are as parents. You're always yeah. looking at your own kid, but your child should not have to be the one to meet your needs. Yeah. That's unfair. When you're asking an eight-year-old to meet your needs emotionally, that's not good. And then when you get into the teen years, they're trying to figure out their own emotions and you're going to put pressure on them to meet all your needs. It's just not fair. And I think yeah. too many kids, that's why we have that whole little league parent and, and that sport dad or sport mom. A lot of that has comes out of them trying to be validated through mm -hmm. their child instead of having their own validation. Yeah, I literally saw this last year and we have a park right next to my house here. And um, of course, I'm going to put my son too in that soccer league, pew pew soccer league, whatever they call it. And I remember walking my dog and I saw this dad. I mean, he was getting into it. Like he was screaming at his daughter, like, oh, go. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is not even professional yeah. soccer. Like what? calm down, bud. <laughs> it's like, he yeah, it's not like she's earning 30 million a year know, or something. He was getting at it. Like, let's go, oh, come on, wife, get up, get up. And I'm like, whoa, okay, okay, calm down. And I literally told, you know, back then, uh, now my ex back, my, back then my wife, I'm not going to be that guy. But then when I started soul searching, I was like, yeah, there, there is a piece of me that's still doing it in a different way, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And because uh, I was like teaching him like, okay, now, you, oh, you're uh, 18 months. Let's see if you can say up to count up to 50, right? Yeah. So in yeah. a way, I was yeah. like, what am I doing? Stop, stop, yeah. calm down. And uh, so it was like more of a like, yay, you can say 50. And I'm like, look, yeah, my son can say one to 50 exactly. and he's not even two years old, right? So it was yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's kind of like sad, Rish, because uh, it's, it's like you're getting a validation and you're getting happy through him. Uh, I mean, like yeah. happiness through his thing. And uh, once I realized it, it just kind of opened a different perspective, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I'm not going to put him through that. We'll see how it goes, you know? And then just like, now it's like fun. Now it's nothing to do yeah. with, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. So Yeah. Well, and kids learn. Kids learn how they know when their parents pleased or not. Mm-hmm. And they'll learn, okay, my dad kind of loves me more if I play this sport. Mm. And maybe I don't love that sport anymore, but I know my dad does. Wow. Okay. And I think when a parent can't back off from that, right. and not that we don't push our kids to do their best, we should. Right. They make a commitment, hey, you're in this through the end of the season. That kind of stuff we have to do. But when you as a dad are released from that, if your child comes to you and says, hey, I don't want to play soccer anymore. I yeah. want to play volleyball cool, let's go play volleyball, you yeah. know, instead of what I, 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 everybody plays soccer, you know, and, yeah. and it's really more about the dad than it mm -hmm. is them, yeah. you know, and, and it's funny because I've talked to parents and they, they've got their kids in all these leagues and everything. And I'm like, Oh man, that's great. Why, why, why y'all so into it? Do you just love soccer? Well, we want to get a scholarship. Oh, that's uh -huh. cool. You want to get a scholarship. Okay. Why do you want to get a scholarship? Well, they can go to college free. Okay, go to college, free, that's good. Why, why do you want them to do that? So they can get out and get a good job. Oh, okay, so really, it's about the money. Mm -hmm. No, it's not about the money. Yeah, it kind of is. Been there. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. about the money, you know? And so what you're doing is you're teaching your child money really is the most important thing, yeah. you know? And I just don't think that's healthy for a child to have that pressure. And not that we don't push our kids to be their best. We mm-hmm. do, you know, like my son, a sports guy, I love football. I played football. He could care less about football. He's mm-hmm. a musician. My daughter loves football more than my son. I watch football with my daughter. So <laughs> if she marries a guy who loves football, he's going to thank me for that. Uh, but she loves football. My son, he could care less. You know, he's playing his guitar. Uh-huh. So uh, it's just the way they are. But that's the beauty of it is you get to discover your children. Right. Dad and support them in who they are, not who you want them to be. Wow. Yeah. No, I get it. And uh, when I said I've been there, because I remember uh, when my son was born, I remember having this kind of similar discussion with my, um, his mother. And uh, no, my ex is, uh, oh yeah, of course he's going to go to college, right? It's, there's no question about it. I'm not going to let my kid not go to college. I mean, it's yeah. just done. Like yeah. as if like I'm making a decision right there and he was only what, yeah. six, seven months. I know. And now I think back and I'm like, how ridiculous was it? Like he might not even want to, he might be businessman. He might just be an artist. Who cares? Yeah. And uh, as long as he's happy, because I think I realized it through my trauma and I, I grew up in it. I grew up like that, right? Because mm-hmm. growing up in India for us, it's like, you got to go to college, either engineer or doctor and 80s kids. Yeah. You know? And yeah. um, so even though I wanted to be an actor and theater and all that, I kind of pursued it, but never really kind of got in it because that was not I'm like, come on, what yeah. are you doing? So of yeah. course now I'm an engineer full time. And yeah. uh, now that's exactly kind of my initial gut reaction was when my son was born. Like, oh yeah. I was like, hold on a minute. You're exactly doing the same thing that you hated. You wish, go back and like, oh my God, I wish if I could have pursued that, what yeah. could have happened? And I think as men, we, we kind of take that role like, oh yeah, I have to take care of the family. I have to make a decision and I want to yeah. make sure like everything is right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we don't follow our emotions. Uh, just kind of... Yeah, and we don't, I think every parent, every dad has to be a student of his child. Wow. I think when you quit being a student of your child, you start becoming kind of the master of your child. You kind of make your child your own little slave. Um, And not that we let children do everything they want to do themselves, but what you do is you learn your child. You learn, okay, what are their likes? What are their dislikes? You know, the beauty of the elementary years is that's when they try everything. Yeah. You know, they'll do piano lessons for six months. They'll do ballet. They'll do this. They'll do that. That's awesome. I tell people do that, you know, and if they commit, they stay through the season or whatever, let them try it. And you say, well, what if they try five things and don't like any of it? They're learning themselves and you're learning them. Yeah. You're learning what are they into? What's their thing? And to me, that's the beauty is you let your child kind of blossom in front of you and then you can learn, okay, this is where they need to be pushed. Like with my son doing music, we kind of figured, okay, he's more of an artist type. He's very Mm -hmm. creative and he could sit in his room and play with toys for hours, not the way they were designed to be played. He would make up this whole world of toys doing all this other stuff. So we're like, okay, the kids are creative. And so we got him a guitar. We tried the piano lessons. Those didn't work. And I told him, I said, hey, if you start playing at the church we attend and actually lead the service on Wednesday nights, by the time you graduate, I'll get you this really sweet guitar. Mm. And I said it more to motivate him because I didn't know what else to do. Right. And uh, well, he did it. And so when he graduated, I had to buy him like a $2,500 guitar. I was a little upset about that because um, he remembered. He was like, hey, dad, you said, and I was hoping he'd forgotten, but he didn't. But I was encouraging him in what he loved mm-hmm. and he was able to use that 
to grow himself. And that's really the exciting part. Yeah, I think that's one of the beauty of it. Like, and I think our conversation kind of like I was thinking about it, like it's amazing that you just wrote this uh, book or course, right? For dads. Yeah. And organically, like kind of we were talking about that and I, w- I want to talk about like other stuff too with you. And I think like, again, I'm going to focus this one on that because it's kind of started on this topic and yeah. I'm loving yeah. it. So tell me a little bit about the course that you had written. Like what motivated you? Is there a certain things that you saw and you think like, okay, or is it something like you saw in your clients that you felt like, okay, I need to uh, create a course? Yeah. A lot of people ask me about stuff, you know, hey, tell me some of the things y'all did for your kids. You know, they would say, hey, we love your kids. What did you do? And looking back, there wasn't a, okay, this is what I did. This is the secret. You know, it's not one thing. It's it's kind of multiple things. And that's kind of what I put in the course. I did it as a video course because I know men, most of us aren't going to read a lot. And uh, so uh, I did a video course. Each video is about eight to 12 minutes. And and I just kind of helped them know what is the point. Mm-hmm. You know, what, are, what is what you really want for your child? One of the sessions I talk about, what is success for your child? Is it success or is it security? And that's kind of what I teach, that the goal of a parent is to raise a secure child, not a successful child, because success has to have validation from the outside. Mm-hmm. I won the prize. I made the A. I got wow. the scholarship. That's success. Security is what they have on the inside. They can still win the prize or get the A, but they don't have to because it doesn't change who they are. And if you raise a secure child, because like I said, I've worked with teenagers for 30 years. The ones who had the most problems were the most insecure ones. The ones who didn't have that validation, they didn't feel loved. They didn't feel like people really accepted them for who they are. They're the ones who give into the peer pressure and do the things like that. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, I think we have to help move our eyes off of success to security. What am I doing to raise a child who can stand up for themselves? Willing to say, no, I'm not going to do that and know why and know who they are. So so those are some of the things. Um, I talk to dads about what it means to be a cool dad. And I say it has nothing to do with what they wear or the jokes they tell. <laughs> but a cool dad is a consistent dad. Kids want a dad who's consistent. Mm. They don't want a dad who they have to walk on eggshells around. What dad is going to come home today? Mm. What dad is going to be here? And I think as a dad, we have to learn how to be consistent. And that's how we communicate our love to him. And then we help him understand the seasons, like I said earlier. This is so powerful. I, I will have to even remember that because yeah, I know I know what you're saying. I have to remember this for for me because yeah. I know now we are in COVID nineteen, we are stuck. But uh, now that I'm in, I'm enjoying this single parenthood with him. Yeah, I have to remember this because yeah, there might be days like after a bad day of work, I'm like, nah, not feeling it. Wow, yeah. that's so powerful. That's very powerful. Well, and it does a lot for our children when, as a dad, they see you going through hard times and still being who you are and not letting it change you. Like we when we lived in Biloxi, which is on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, Katrina, the hurricane Katrina hit. Oh, wow. And, okay. and uh, we, lost, we lost everything in our house. Uh, in an area that's never been flooded, we got water. Our kids got to see us go through that and they got to see us live consistently through it. Mm. You know, we didn't know where we were going to get things to fix the house. We didn't have flood insurance. So there was a lot of unknowns. But now my kids look back on that time as, man, that was a fun time. Because we had a guy let us stay at his house. We all slept in the same room because it was the only room that was air conditioned. 
And the kids loved it. They kind of saw it as a fun time. Now it was a very pressure filled time for me. Yeah. You know, how am I going to get my house fixed? What's going to happen? And it all worked out, but my kids got to see that. And the beauty of it is then when my wife got the diagnosis, my kids were the ones who said, you know, God's got this. We're going to, we're going to get through this. I think that's because they saw the consistency from us back during the hurricane. And so that's the whole thing as a dad, when you put those principles into your children, they come back to help you. And our goal as a parent, as a dad is to raise up our kids to be adults, you know, not to need us all the time. If they need you all the time and still live in your basement, something's not right. You didn't do something right. Right. No, I agree because I think like that's one thing. Uh, and then I think I do want to pick up on this conversation on our episode too, because I think I don't want to okay. forget this. I'm going to take a note on this because I think we started off on a very good note. I want to talk about, yes, there's that. And then the other side of it, I felt it like, you know, I've always been a very secure child the way my parents raised me. Uh-huh. Then that came out as a very, in back then in Indian society, as a very rebellious child, because I would actually, I'd never cared about other people's validation. I was like, yeah. hey, this is wrong or this is right. And that kind of yeah. like yeah. on the backfire on me as a kid too. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. you should not talk. I'm like, but you know, I mean, you guys told me to stand up for what's right or what's wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of like, it's, and we can go in a completely different direction as, and when that kid grows up and how he, I definitely want to pick it up and talk a little bit on, with you more on that. Episode okay. Too. Before uh, we end today's discussion, because we are on dads and uh, I do have a question, even for, for me and even for single yeah. dads out there, like, how are you navigating now that your wife is gone? Of course, your kids are uh, grown up. What advice would you give a single dad who is uh, going through grief or going through challenges or hardship and mm-hmm. still trying to be the parent? What advice would you kind of give them to say, hey, Yes, I get it. You said consistency is, of course, one of the biggest yeah. things. So tell us a little bit about from your experience or your expertise. Yeah, I think the danger in situations like a, a divorce situation or even a death thing like, like that is your children can become your world because they're what you have of your spouse's world, or your children represent the pain. Mm. Like if it was a messy divorce or an ugly a breakup, the children may represent that to you. And I think as a, as a dad, what you have to do is not one, hold your child accountable for maybe the, the mess ups, you know, maybe, maybe mom cheated and ran off. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the child's fault. And, and you can't make them pay. But also if, if it's a death situation or divorce situation where it was different circumstances, the child's not going to fix it. And being a good parent's not going to fix you. And I think a lot of dads in situations like that, they, well, I'm going to be the best dad ever. And so their whole life is consumed with their child. And the danger of that is they don't show their child how to live a healthy life. And I think you have to be healthy. And I don't just mean physically healthy, but right. you know, it meant mentally, emotionally, spiritually, to be healthy in the, as a holistic person is still your responsibility. And one of the most important things you can do for your child, because you show them life doesn't stop. When divorce happened, it didn't end me. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I think the hardest thing is to honor their mother, you know, even if she did you wrong. Again, it's not the child's fault. That's the hardest thing to do, especially if she's not reciprocating that. 
But again, you're the dad and you're representing what it is to your child to be a dad. Even if you have a daughter, you want them to learn what kind of man should they look for. And I think that holistic life and a lot of the things you're talking about being you know healthy in all areas of your life. Like uh, I used to go to a gym nearby here and you see guys there at all times a day who are just, I mean, they're ripped, but you know, getting to know them, they're single, they've got no life, their kids are gone. So, so the gym is their life. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with being healthy, but is that really all your life? Like a few years ago, I had a friend of mine who I graduated high school with who moved back to our hometown and did a post on social media. Hey, I'm back. Where are the ladies? And I'm like, you're almost 50. <laughs> you know, you're almost Papa age. Come on now. Don't we're the ladies. That's gross. You know? And, and in his mind, he was still trying to be a player. And I think, you know, maturity in you reaps benefits in your children. And as you grow and as you develop. So I think for a lot of guys, it's keep growing. Don't stop. If you need counseling, if you need coaching, whatever it takes, get that because that's going to make you a better dad in any situation, whether you're divorced, step parent, whatever you're going to be a better parent as you keep growing. Amazing. No, thank you. I mean, that's definitely speaks volume. So tell me a little bit before we end. I know that uh, you have a course. Yeah. Three days. Yeah. Everything's at um, davidthemaxwell.com. It's Mm -hmm. david, T-H-E, maxwell.com. I have a one-on-one coaching course right now, Quest for Manhood. I'm hoping to turn that into a digital course eventually. And then I've got a a smaller course. My dad course is actually kind of a, a, it's a quick digital course. I made for dads. And um, those two courses are what I have right now on the website. Okay. And then when me and you talked a little bit, you have a three-day dare? Yeah. Yeah. The three-day okay. dare. I'm glad okay. you said that. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking my courses. Yeah. That's free. It's a, okay. uh, it's just a, it's a free three-day dare. It's a video curriculum just to help guys start with their passions. I take a different approach from a lot of people. I think men are passionate by nature and we shouldn't run away from that, but we have to learn how to hone our passion and focus it. You look at the men throughout history who change history, they focus their passion. And I think as men, if, if we're letting our passion go everywhere, we're not helping anybody. So the three-day dare, actually what I do is I take a small section of my full quest for manhood course and turn it into that, the three-day dare, just to help guys just to, hey, where do I start? And it's start with your passions, start with getting them directed instead of letting them go wherever. So where can we find it? It's on the the Uh, website. It's all right there on the website. Uh, DavidTheMaxwell.com. There's a page that says coaching and my two courses, uh, the three-day dare and my coaching course are there. I do a free phone call with people. All they have to do is click and sign up and talk with them and see if coaching is right for them. Dad course is on the homepage. They can just scroll down and they can just sign in. That's a video course. They can do that whenever. Okay. So guys, I'm going to have David's website link to my podcast on my social media. So go ahead and check it out. He has a free three-day dare, as he says, for you to get started on. And he has a free sign-on free coaching call. So anyone who thinks that they need some help, reach out. And uh, that's exactly the first step. You got to start reaching out. And that's exactly, I tell in every podcast, we as men need to start uh, reaching out instead of holding ourselves back. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed today's episode with Dave and uh, learned a lot of uh, little nuggets that I learned myself and I might jump in in the three-day dare myself. Dude, yeah, seriously. jump in, do it. So before we end this call, so there's like one surprise question I always ask guests. For you, I have two, of course, regarding a conversation. What does fatherhood mean to David Maxwell? What is fatherhood? To me, fatherhood's about legacy. It's about leaving a legacy for the future. That to me is what fatherhood is. And, and when you take that long-term view, it helps you in the short term. 
It helps you when you come home, because I've done this. You come home, you're tired. You don't feel like doing nothing, but your kids are there. And your legacy says, I'm going to play with them now. Even though I may fall asleep while playing Uh with them, I have done that, but I'm going to do it because they're more important to me than my momentary feelings. That's what legacy helps you with. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. And of course, as I said, another thing I do is I'm a huge reader and I'm reading this book right now. It's called Untamed by uh, Glennon Doyle. Hmm. And one of the chapters called Boys. And uh, I do want to read a quick passage from it. And that resonates with me so much. And that's why, how, why I started this podcast and what you are also working on and why so many men and young boys, I feel, need help at this point. So it says, being an American boy is a setup. We train boys to believe that the way to become a man is to objectify and conquer women, value wealth and power above all, and suppress any emotions than, other than competitiveness and rage. Then we are stunned when our boys become exactly what we have trained them to be. Our boys cannot follow our directions, but they're cheating and dying and killing as they try to. Everything that makes a boy human is a real man's dirty secret. Our men are caged too. The parts of themselves they must hide to fit into those cages are the slices of their humanity that our culture has labeled feminine. Traits like mercy, tenderness, softness, quietness, kindness, humility, uncertainty, empathy, connection. We tell them, don't be these things because these are feminine things to be. Be anything but feminine. It just blows my mind. Uh, Just uh, what you are doing and why there's so many suicides and so many mental health issues around men coming up. And I hope uh, more people like you show up and keep helping men. And uh, I'm glad to create a platform to showcase that. Yeah. Well, thanks. And I I love the platform. I think Dads and Deadlifts One, it's a name that's always going to stick with you. (laughs) And uh, so it takes them back to my weightlifting um, days in football and Uh, In fact, I just recently gave up deadlifts. I was like, you know, I'm not doing deadlifts anymore. No, it's funny. I, um, I, people talk about like, um, why, what, what is this name about? And I'm like, for me, it's a mindset. And I talk yeah. a little bit about that intro is uh, deadlifts used to be, I used to be afraid of deadlifts uh, when I yep. joined CrossFit. And, uh, but then I realized like, and I would not go to work out those days when deadlifts were scheduled. And yeah, I realized deadlifts one day, is on the day. Yeah. I was like, I need to go because I'm avoiding then it become mindset, like the stuff that you're trying to avoid, you need to get better at. So now I kind of like literally have it on my office here. It's like, yeah, that it's weird. People don't understand like just small anchor, how it helps in our lives. That's my anchor. Every time I see it, I'm like, yep. If I don't feel like doing something, no, I need to go do it because it reminds me of that. So, yep. Yeah, no, that's great. I love it. I love (laughs) it. I love the platform. I'm excited for it. Awesome, David. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I'm definitely going to be bringing you back for another episode. We'll talk a little bit about expanding on what we started talking about dads and kids, and we're going to take it to men and uh, how they're feeling in today's society, confused and uh, mental health and suicide and addictions and how they're kind of getting over it. Guys, you you will listen from uh, David Maxwell again. Uh, He's an awesome coach. Check out his website. His website link would be on my podcast and social media. Once again, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Dads on Deadlifts. Hopefully you guys are staying safe. Remember, you are not alone. There are people out there who can help you. Reach out. If you have any questions, just reach out to and email us at dads.and.deadlifts at gmail.com or on my Facebook or Insta page. So until next episode, signing off your host, Rish. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dads and Deadlifts. And I hope 
You are as excited as I am learning from our guest today on the specific topic. Please subscribe, share, and leave a comment and tag Dads and Deadlifts on Instagram and Facebook with your experience of today's episode. Because remember, your one share might save someone from feeling alone and provide them the tools they can incorporate in their daily lives. Let's each of us do our part in helping men around the world. You can personally message me on my Facebook page or Instagram page, Dads and Deadlifts, if you want your story to be shared on the podcast or if you just feel alone and want someone to reach out to. Always remember, you are not alone. All you got to do is reach out. And I am rooting for you. Until next week, your host, Rish, signing off. I will see you next week with another brand new episode.